grateful, I think I've already said this, but something similar, but I'm grateful that there was a time when, we, when I did meet the Master. But I'm also grateful that it wasn't limited to just one time. I'm grateful that I can meet with him daily. Amen. Thank you for that song, Alex and Jimmy. That was, that was timely. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, I told you, sometimes my humor gets me in trouble, and sometimes you debate about what to say, what you shouldn't say, and go back and forth, and sometimes you just throw everything to the wind, and you just say it anyway. So how's your love life this morning? How's your love life? Going to be looking at Exodus 20. Exodus 20, and now that I have your attention, we're going to turn to the scripture. Exodus 20, we're going to start with 18, verse 18 and 21. This is probably going to be more like a sermonette this morning. I don't anticipate, I don't know, Brandon was teasing me about being the speaker of an hour, not the hour, but of an hour. So uh, I said probably won't be like that, but we'll see. Starting with the 18th verse there. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpets and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your eyes, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus shalt say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. I'm going to stop there. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before thee this morning. Lord, asking that you would give us wisdom, Lord, and uh, clarity of thought speech, that you would help us, Lord, help our hearts to be open and to receive, Lord, your word. We ask that you would help us, Jesus, this morning, to glorify thee in all things, and to do thy will, we pray in thy name, amen. I was having this, uh, I was reading this this week in my devotions, um, this, is where I've, this is where I've been at, and um, going through and reading the Ten Commandments, and it's kind of interesting that God here, he's giving these Ten Commandments, telling the, the children of Israel how they should live, and just over there in the 19th chapter, he said, I want you to told uh, Moses to go down and tell the people to sanctify themselves, separate themselves for three days, and I'm going to meet with you. God meets with them, gives them the Ten Commandments, and begins to talk, and the people there, after God is done talking and um, some commentators say that uh, there was a pause here. And during this pause, the people um, who are trembling with fear, and they, they look to Moses and they say, why don't you do the speaking for us? We don't want to talk to God anymore. We don't want to hear that. Why don't you speak to God? And I, I was reading this, and then um, there in that 21st verse, and it says, and the people stood afar off. And I thought, my... These are the same people that, that God just brought out of Egypt. These are the same people that God just 
put... Um, there was that Red Sea, and they, they crossed through there, and he smote the Egyptians for them. And he, over in the 16th chapter there, uh, they were out in the wilderness and needed water, and he gave them water. These are the same children that have been led by a pillar of fire and a, and a cloud of smoke and all these things, and here now they're standing afar off. Hmm, just why? Lord, why? They've seen all these great things. And now they want to stand afar off. They're afraid, worried. And I got to thinking that, you know, well, you, you start to reading some of these things and you start to, you want to dig a little deeper and to find out why. And I have some of my own ideas, but see what other people think. And um, also there, as God was telling them the Ten Commandments, I wonder if perhaps some of those things that God was telling them was starting to, starting to hit a little bit. They were starting to fill smoke in a certain place. You know, uh, no other gods before me. You know, what are these things? They just came from a, a place of idolatry. Um, in class this uh, Friday, actually Friday, uh, we're going to start uh, uh, studying Egypt and a lot of the, the country around there for history. And so we were kind of going... Uh, giving a, a little synopsis of, of how the, the different gods that they would uh, worship and the animals there, the cats, the crocodiles, and all the different things. And here God says, no, there's only room for one God, and that's me. And a lot of other things, as God starts to, starts to point things out, perhaps they, they start to feel a little bit guilty, perhaps, or, or just uh, concerned that God maybe knew too much. You ever been there? When you feel that God just knows a little too much. And when we, get that, when we start to get to that place, we start to back up and say, Lord, um, we need some distance. We need some distance here. They began to tell Moses, they said, you know, we, we want you to do the speaking for us. It's a lot easier to have a man talk as the, inter the intermediary there between them and God because they can always tell him to be quiet. And they have. There's a lot of times that there is that uh, just friction, you might say, between Moses and the, the people. And it was easier to deal with a man than it is with God. When God comes down and starts pointing things out, you have to listen. You may not like it, but it gets through. The message gets through. And here God uh, um, starts to wake them up a little bit. And other commentators say it's because... They were starting to get a little bit, you know, they, they came and, and there in the 19th chapter, God was talking to Moses and he, and he said, don't let them come up to the mountain. Don't let them touch the mountain. They have boundaries. Make a boundary line. Let them know that they have to stay back. And Moses went up, talked to God, and, and God said, no, you need to go back down there because they're starting. They're going to cross those boundaries. There comes... As it looks like, uh, as I was reading, there was uh, not a, a familiarity, but more of a curiosity. That it wasn't really that they were looking to God as the God who they should be respecting, but more of a curiosity. Um, they had seen some of these things. This Again, all the miracles that they've seen, when they, even when they were in Egypt, they didn't really get hit by a lot of those plagues. They were happy for those because those mostly affected the Egyptians. There wasn't a lot of pain and suffering that they felt. 
It was more of a curiosity. And it became a, a less respectful, and they didn't reverence God as they ought to. And so they got to the point to where they just wanted to go and see the show, so to speak. And God put the boundaries down and had to tell Moses, you need to go talk to these people because they're going to cross the line and they're going to pay the consequence for it. They didn't have the fear that they needed. Now, God doesn't rule by fear. God doesn't, he doesn't control us by fear. I remember, uh, and I know a lot of you probably do too, those, those old preachers that would get up on the, the Saturday night of camp meeting and they would, uh, I remember Brother Broadway, and I liked Brother Broadway, but I remember when he was preaching, he needed to stomp his, shouldn't do that, stomp his foot and, and just, and, I, and as kids, we would always sit there and talk, and we thought for sure he was going to stomp his way right through to the ground. That, that podium wasn't going to hold him. But there was a fire and brimstone message that was on his lips, and it came through to our hearts. Now, it wasn't, I don't think, and I don't think that really it was fear he was trying to project, but he was trying to project the seriousness of heaven and hell, the seriousness of a life without God. And I think there's a place for that. But God doesn't rule by fear. Uh, it's interesting how when you start talking to people, how we all have different sides of the spectrum we fall on. There was one a uh, man I heard about, and he would talk about the different preachers, and there was one that would get up and, and preach fire and brimstone, and he was a good preacher. I think it was Brother Gillian, I think, um, and I don't remember him. They said he had a one arm. They called him the one-armed preacher, but he, I guess he could just really go and just get, dish it out, but then there was another minister that could get up, and he didn't really touch on hell and fire and brimstone, but he preached heaven, and he preached what it would be like. And there was one man, he said, I could listen to all the fire and brimstone, and I, I knew the seriousness, but it wasn't until he started talking about heaven that my heart got stirred. That my heart got stirred. God, our Father, doesn't control by fear. It's not the hand of, of iron that comes down upon us, but it's the hand of love. The hand of the shepherd, which caresses and brings us to him. And here are these people, these people, and how much we're like these people, at least I am. You know, they, they lost their fear, their respect of God, and they started to cross the boundaries and told them to go down there. And Moses went down and spoke to the people. And, and uh, you, know, they're, you know what's in their hearts still. And so they're, they're tempting God, and God comes up, and, and he lets them have it, so to speak. He comes out with thunderings and lightnings and the sound as a trumpet. And they got their show. And they realized that God wasn't someone that they wanted to mess with, so to speak. It wasn't something that they could handle lightly. And so they told Moses, they said, we want you to handle him for us. We don't want to talk to him. And Moses said, fear not. You know, there's no reason to fear. Moses had been in contact with God many a time. In fact, if you read here, it looks like he was up and down the mountain quite frequently. He's not, there's no reason to fear. But God wanted to do something to you. And what was it? He wanted to prove you, to see your faithfulness, to test you. Um, I am not going to pronounce 
the, uh, I believe it is the Greek there, but uh, what it means is that word prove means to lift or to weigh. What did it weigh your faithfulness to me? God was looking to prove them, and over in the 16th verse, and then, or it's chapter, and then the um, 17th, I believe it is also, and uh, talks about God proving his people, God proving the children there. And Moses said several times, um, God's trying to prove you. God's checking up on you. God's seeing where you're at, spiritually, so to speak. God proves us. Remember, I said he's not the God of fear, but he's the God of love. And, and as God would prove us, even as he proved his people, it's not out of, uh, he's not pointing fingers. He's not saying, you're wrong here or you're wrong here, but he's saying, let's work on this. Let's work on that. A lot of times we, when we're dealing with God, It's hard to understand, really, because he's God. And, and even, even when we say he's a God of love, it's hard to understand what that means because, let's face it, a lot of us have our own ideas of love. In fact, well, we know that uh, there's that book we've been reading, The Five Love Languages. How many different books did he write on love and the love languages? It's one of those things that, yes, we think we know and we have an idea, but we still don't grasp it. I don't think we'll really grasp it until we can get to heaven and actually sit down with Christ himself. I don't think we'll understand it until perhaps we can actually see the wounds and understand the price he paid. I don't think we'll truly understand until we can meet him. But we say that we love Christ. And I asked you, how's your love life? And I was referring to your love life with Christ. And, and, I even, and as that, and I know it was a little humorous perhaps, but we, and forgive me because it's been a, well, anyway, I made a promise or tried my hardest not to make any, uh, uh, not, see now I can't even think of the word, excuses for myself. So that we're just going to go through it. We're going to go with it. Amen. But we put limitations. When God tells us, God comes to prove us, and he comes to speak to our hearts, and, and we're growing and we're trying to mature in him, and he, he wants to prove us. And a lot of times we'll put limitations on ourselves and say, God, well, that's just not me. And, and you, know, you, know my, you know me, you know my personality, you know how I am, and I just can't do that. A lot of those times, those limitations that we put on ourselves are actually just lines that we don't want to go past because it's uncomfortable, or lines that we don't feel that we're the best suited for, which may be true. But that's where, and I appreciate where Brother Gary said, we're nothing without him. If we don't ever get past that line to where he can prove us, we're never going to find where God can take us. Because we're always going to have this line that we've drawn. And we'll be able to look across the fence there and see all that that's out there. But we'll never realize the possibilities and the potential. 
We'll be like those children of Israel who just circled around the wilderness for 40 years. The land of Canaan was right there. They could have it. God tried to prove them. God tried to bring them closer. He tried to to show them what they needed, but they never really got it. And yet God is the same God, and he does the same thing with us. He proves us. He's trying to show us things, and he's speaking to us. And I know he spoke to me at camp meeting. I know that there were times when he was showing me things that I could start to uh, work on. And I'll be honest, and I'll just tell this because it might help somebody. That was the first time I ever spoke at Independence Camp. was a couple Fridays ago. And to be frank... I never really wanted to. <laughs> Independence's camp is one of those camp meetings I always figured, you know, let the, let the good preachers do, let the, let the big names do. I never wanted to. But I made a choice. And I said, Lord, I could do two things. I could either worry about this and fret and stew and just get all nervous. Or, you know, I could just say that, well, it's my opportunity to serve you it's my opportunity to do something for you and I'm going to enjoy it and I made that conscious decision and I truly did I said you know what in fact I think I told somebody uh, afterward not before afterward I said I made the decision that I was just going to go up and enjoy it and that was probably the most enjoyable time preaching I ever had But part of it, it wasn't that anything else changed, but it was me. I decided I was just going to do this. Succeed or fail, it didn't matter. God had given me an opportunity, and I said yes. God's giving us opportunities. Are we going to say yes? Are we going to say, I love you, Lord, enough to take and go past that line that I've made for myself? And do what I can for you. The children of Israel, one of the problems that they had is that they never, this generation, this first generation, later on we know that they did, but one of the problems that they had was that they never really had the relationship with God. They knew Moses. They understood Moses and they talked to him. They brought their problems to him. And God spoke to Moses and helped them out. But they never even though God gave them the opportunity, they never really had the relationship with God that he wanted them to have. And God's still extending the hand. He's still saying, I'm looking for a relationship. And only with the relationship with God to the fullness can We'd be successful. You know, these, and I, as I was looking, and, and they, they, that verse just really got me. The people stood afar off. The people stood afar off. And I could just almost see Moses as, as the people are backing up, perhaps just looking at them and maybe shaking his head and, and feeling just something falling inside him as he turns and goes. To speak to God. Perhaps he said, God, these are your people. You brought them out. What's the problem? And we don't know the conversation that God and Moses had, but 
I know they were good ones. I know they were sweet ones to Moses. But the children of Israel refused to have the relationship. I think they just drew the line in the sand and didn't cross it, so to speak. What's the desire that we have today? There's always these talks about doing things for God and, and reaching out in the community and all this and that and the other thing, and those are all good and well. There's things about helping out in church, and I appreciate everyone that helps out in church. I appreciate the prayers of everyone, and I am not, again, trying to uh, point fingers or anything, but I believe there's more for us if we get a closer relationship as God would prove us, as God would be pointing out things to us, uh, and we would be receiving and saying, yes, Lord, yes. I know there is a, a, a one woman, it's actually a friend of ours, and one of the things she does in her daily prayers is she walks around her house and she says, Lord, show me what doesn't belong. Show me what doesn't belong in this house. And she walks, and she, from what I understand, she'll go to every room, and just say, Lord, is there anything I need to get rid of now? Lord, is there anything I need to do now? There's not just the talk, but there's the actual action to it too. Lord, help me to remove anything that's in the way, anything that's in between you and I. God was proving the children of Israel here. He gave them the opportunity. They could have drawn closer, they could have gotten past the spectacle, so to speak, and got into the relationship. But all they were looking for is the show. A while back, and actually it's probably, I don't know, it's one of those things I continually go through, I guess. I don't know if you do the same. But there are times that I long for more passion. Um, in for God's work. There's times I, I desire more interest, that I would uh, have a greater interest in doing God's work. I don't know if you ever go through that or not. Sometimes it just seems like it's dry. You know, we, we go through the motions and we go out, we mow the yard, and, and we, we do some of those things. We sing, and, and sometimes it's hard to lead singing. Sometimes it's, it's hard to get up and do those things, but we do it because we want to. But sometimes we don't have the passion we don't have the fervor. And that's okay. And that's okay. Sometimes God's proving us. Sometimes God is just saying, does it always have to be about, and I appreciated where he talked about Job and the testimony there. He couldn't feel God anywhere. Sometimes that's going to happen. But God's going to prove us. And say, even though you don't feel me right now, even though I'm not stirring your heart and you're not having all the emotions... Do you love me enough just to go on? Hold the doors open. Make the place available. Go and visit somebody, even though you don't feel like it. I'm one of those people that, and my wife will tell you, that I don't really mingle a lot. I don't get out, and, and, and I'm not the social butterfly, so to speak. But one of the things I realized that when I was, when we were pastoring, one of the greatest, I guess, when I felt the best, to put it that way, 
is after I would come back from the hospital or something, visiting somebody just one-on-one. -on -one. When I could just have that time with somebody just to kind of talk to them, um, talk about God, different things, that would fill me up. I would, I really, I thrived on that. I didn't like it because I'm really, I don't like, I'm not, I don't like to get out of my comfort zone. I don't really, I'm not social. I don't like to talk to a lot of people. But I found that a lot of times I would come back being more fulfilled if I could just spend a little bit of time with somebody. And I think that was just the Lord saying, I've weighed you and you've been found accepting, acceptable. Lord, help us. You know, it doesn't have to be the big things. It doesn't have to be anything spectacular. But can we just do it because we love the Lord? Can we just do it because we love God? And there's a story I'll share in closing. sure how applicable it is today, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting, and I thought it kind of it kind of struck me funny, I guess. There was a, a man who had a fancy for a young lady, and he uh, would send her letters every day. And he, this went on for some time, and he would send her letters every day through the post office, and, and she over the course of months, nothing had changed. She didn't express any interests. So he decided to up, the, uh, up his game a little bit. And so he went from one letter to three letters a day. And this went on for some time. Well, after a while, she got married. But it wasn't to the man writing the letters. It was to the postman. <laughs> you see, he provided an opportunity for this postman to spend some time with this young lady, and a relationship blossomed, and they got married. The time we spend with God, amen, can be very productive, amen. If it's not just the words, but it's got to be the actions too. If God proves us, as God proves us. We could be like the children of Israel. We could back up and say, you know, I, I can't do it. Or we could just say, you know, Lord, I have no idea how to do it, but I'm going to. Lord, help us this morning and help me. And I appreciate your, uh, your good listening. Amen. Why don't we all stand? Brother Bob, would you dismiss this, please?